Welcome to The Perfect Storm, a bi-weekly podcast for business executives and cybersecurity professionals. Industry veterans Michael Markulek and Matthew Webster chat with guests about the latest cyber news, threats, and trends, and how all of it impacts their businesses. Harbor Technology Group is a cybersecurity consulting firm that offers advisory services to the SMB. Harbor believes by taking a proactive rather than reactive approach to cybersecurity, business leaders can develop a cybersecurity program that will address external requirements, exceed client expectations, and ultimately take their organization to the next level. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. Welcome back to another edition of The Perfect Storm. Today, we have Kingsley Hill from Freeman Clark joining us. Kingsley's been a longtime friend, a longtime business colleague, um, and and I'm excited to have him today, really to kind of elevate our conversation and talk about the role of the CIO um, and touch on where the CIO touches the security, um, information, technology world. So, Kingsley, welcome to uh, The Perfect Storm. And if you would take a uh, take a few minutes and uh, tell us about yourself, tell us about Freeman Clark. Michael, thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, this is really exciting. I, I it's been a while since I've done a podcast. I hope I get it right. Freeman Clark. Um, let me start with Freeman Clark. Freeman Clark is a UK company and with that provides fractional CIOs and CTOs, in short, fractional technology executives to mid-market companies. By fractional, we mean somebody who spends a day or two a week with a client. The All of my principals, we have 100 in the UK and about a dozen of them here in the United States at this point, are have been CIOs or CTOs in companies during their career. They bring this level of experience as a as experienced CIOs and CTOs to mid-market companies that can't otherwise justify or 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 need, in fact, a um, a CIO, a, a full-time CIO. Myself, I was I have been a CIO in a number of different uh, places throughout my career. Um, I've also run companies, started companies, and otherwise been involved in um, in, in business my uh, most of my most of my life, except for the nine years I spent jumping out of airplanes and running through swamps. Cool. At Freeman Clark, we pride ourselves in in our personnel being executives in a firm, just like any other executive. We're not talking about a consultant. We're not talking about people that come and go. Uh, but rather, in fact, the the CIO from Freeman Clark acts and behaves just like any other executive in the C-suite in our clients. The only difference is instead of having them committed to you five days a week or they're, they're committed a day or two a week and bring over that value to the firm in, uh, in that period of time. That help understand yeah that, that's that's perfect uh, and, and that's a great place to start um one of the things that we talk about um for a virtual cio or a virtual security officer uh, 
and, and the industry started to accept that term, right? VCIO. Um, is I, and I don't particularly like it. I don't like that concept of virtual. Um, you know, the, the, as you described it, fractional, really integrating yourself into the business, I think is the, the kind of key to success here. Um, what type of projects, what type of work do your fractional CIOs do within organizations? Give the, uh, give the audience a, a flavor for, you know, the, the project work, the experience level, the, the kind of uh, value that they bring to, uh, to the small and medium-sized businesses. Sure, Michael. So when we go into a client, we start out obviously by coming to understand the business. We understand the business itself. We understand the people, the dynamics among the people, the technology stack, the technology they're using, and of course, any issues and, and challenges they're facing, as well as coming to understand their strategy for the future and where they want to take the business. In the course of that, we are able to identify or build a roadmap for how we think uh, any deficiencies need to be covered, and then obviously for how we can uh, continue to enhance and build and improve the business and bring technology to bear in that, in that area. In the course of that, generally speaking, I, I, I can pretty comfortably tell C, uh, CEOs that within the first six months or so, we'll probably pay for ourselves our, our, our annual fee. Um, or the, the annual expense of, of having a fractional CIO from, from Freeman Clark. The projects that we engage in can be, can be varied. Some clients we show up and there's no, they're, they're, they don't really have a problem. They just realize they don't have, a, uh, have technology leadership. Other clients have, have an itch to scratch. Uh, one of the more recent experiences, one of our clients um, came to us. I'd been talking to them for six months or so or eight months and they came to us and said, we're about to implement an ERP system next month. And I said, well, that's great. Why didn't you call me sooner? Well, we thought we've got it under control, but we'd like one of your guys to come in and check and make sure it's under control. I'm like, okay, fine, let's go. So we, we, we worked this out, put somebody in place. And in a week and a half, he reports to the CEO that if they go live in the next two weeks, which was the plan, the thing is gonna come, the wheels are gonna come off the bus and the business is probably not going to you know, deal with that very well. And it's going to be ridiculously expensive and a big, huge distraction. The CEO and the CFO were not particularly happy to hear this, but they, but in fact, it was the case. And uh, my, my principal was able to you know, validate that with them. So he was able to then take the reins and, you know, get the deficiencies uh, taken care of and then, finally get the uh, the system rolled out and deployed uh, um, sat, uh, satisfactorily and actually quite well. That yeah, and I think that, that that's a great example of, you know, a lot of business leaders today have, have still take IT um, and IT security um, as, as kind of, you know, back room, back office kind of, um, you know, functions. And don't realize how dependent their business is on technology, right? Doesn't matter whether you're a construction company pouring concrete or a, uh, you know, a technology company building the next great app. Technology is now at the heart of all of their businesses. And, and the role, or at least the functional role of a CIO is critical, uh, really depending on whatever size business you have. So I think that's a, that's a great example. And the other thing that I think I'm seeing out there is kind of a shortage of talent. Um, even where 
small and medium-sized businesses are looking for technology leadership, they can't hire it. They, they just can't find somebody to come in and work for them full time that fits you know, all those needs. I don't know if you guys are seeing the same kind of thing, but you know, I, I think there's a real opportunity for that fractional model given the lack of talent in the uh, in the work workspace. We find we find that in in mid-market companies, a lot of people are trying to, in essence, promote their desktop support folks into that CIO role. And no, uh, no, no diss to the uh, desktop support folks, but fundamentally, you know, there's a difference between somebody with experience, you know, in a C-suite uh, managing and leading technology and, and bringing somebody from um, bringing somebody up from the, uh, you know, from the, from the support role uh, or the development role. We find that this it's it's critical really to have an understanding of of policies and procedures, which are things that typically you know are what executives are responsible for ensuring. You know what are the roadmaps, what are the plans, what are the procedures, and what are the processes that we have to follow and enforce. You know, security is just one aspect of that, and and and, and an absolutely critical aspect. I mean, I can imagine, I can, um, I recall a client uh, who um, had a um, just prior to our joining, in fact, as a as a catalyst to us joining, uh, they had a cyber breach. Um, they had an MSP. They they thought they had everything covered. They had an MSP who was watching their uh, you know watching their gates, if you will. Um, and on one occasion, the uh, the the MSP um, was having some trouble with backups. All of a sudden, backups stopped operating for some reason. And about two or three weeks into that, they they weren't all that motive, they weren't all that um, worried about it. So they didn't worry about the backups. They 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 hadn't really needed to restore a backup in some time. And um, about three weeks of that that challenge existed for a while. Uh, they had still hadn't fixed the backups, and all of a sudden the um, the the gatekeepers noticed somebody uh, encrypting all their data. The uh, MSP dutifully shut the door and half the data was encrypted and the other half was not, but the backups were three weeks old. The client basically had had abdicated all of their security and, and, uh, and technology to the MSP. There wasn't anyone sitting in the C-suite and the senior, in the senior management team who knew what to look for or ask the MSP when the when the backups weren't happening, that should have raised an alarm. Okay, we need to put some emphasis on getting those backups up and running. Who knows what's going to happen? And it could have been a cyber attack. It could have been you know a a, a disaster, a flood, uh, sprinklers going off. But in fact, it turned out to be you know a cyber attack, and um, it was it was a disaster. Um, and, and really to make it worse, the, uh, the, the ransomware attack, uh, the ransom note came and the, the company was, you know, tempted to pay it, but then they realized that half the data was encrypted and the other half wasn't, and they didn't know which one was which. So the, the keys were not really going to decrypt the data. So it was pointless. It's interesting. You mentioned the C-suite a couple of times, um, I, I, I'm still amazed that we're in 2023 and for a lot of organizations, the the technology executive um, has not been elevated to that C-suite, doesn't sit in the boardroom, right? 
gets brought in once a year to kind of, you know, give their budget and give some update and then gets pushed out to the, you know, to that deep, dark closet that, uh, you know, that they keep IT people in. Um, Do you see that changing? I mean, we've been talking about the CIO or the CSO at the C-suite for, it seems like, 20 years. um, And yet, I am not quite sure that we've broken through that ceiling yet. I think it depends on the industry. Um, you know, in a lot of industries, we've come to realize that the technology is so critical to the business and that technology leadership is so critical to the business that we have elevated or we are aware that that the senior executive staff needs to include a technology expert. If you think about the history of things, however, the many companies are still have neglected technology. They've they've in essence the um, the technology has been, you know, in the, uh, as you say, in the deep, dark closet. But the, you know, if you, th- if you sort of think about the history of it, you know, 40 years ago, the only people that used technology were the accounting folks. You know, you basically had tabulating machines, you know, sending out bills and, and collecting money and keeping track of, you know, what the uh, profit and loss and the balance sheet looked like. And so for that reason, the CFO or the finance officer got responsibility for technology because, hey, he had all the technology. Um, as we, as, as we, as we've developed in the last, you know, and since then now technology is everywhere. You know, we have technology, we have IOT technology that's completely headless sitting on top of, you know, containers and, you know, on, on ships in the middle of the ocean. We have trucks with computers. We have salespeople with computers. We have laptops in the field with construction workers. We have everybody in the office, obviously having computers, either desktops, laptops, or both. Um, and you know there is there is a proliferation of software and 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 processes and procedures all over the all over the organization, and somebody needs to grab the reins of that. In most cases, the 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 people at the you know at the desktop support or the MSP level don't have the authority and don't have the understanding to grab those reins and ensure that a security is being considered. Because that's not their point. They're, that's not their business. Their business is to make sure the computers still compute and the people get the jobs done. It's not about worrying about what the you know we're going to open five new um, five new branches next year, and whether in fact our our network infrastructure and security infrastructure is 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 um, up to that task. And if it's not, we need to put a plan in place so that by the time we open those five new branches that uh, technology infrastructure and, and the policies and procedures associated with technology are prepared for it. And, and we're looking at all aspects of our business. You know, can we bring technology to bear to, to augment the top line and the bottom line of the business and in fact help to, to delight customers and keep our employees and, and personnel you know, productive and happy? Yep. And, it, and it's funny, you know, you mentioned a lot of this and as I get to talk to CEOs around things like you know, uh, incident response, disaster recovery, business continuity. Um, and they're like, yeah, that's an IT problem. And, and, and I, you know, my typical response is, but your IT guy is not going to call your customers if you have a significant outage. Your IT guy is not going to make that decision whether to pay ransomware or not, right? The IT guy is not going to, you know, call the lawyer um, and, and have to explain that you've lost, you know, personnel records or, electronic health data, right? Those are all management functions. Um, well, and do you want the IT guy to be making those those calls? 
you know, that, you know, it's a question. It's a question we've had for a for years and years and years in business. Is you know, there are IT people are often expected to make incredibly strategic decisions. But do you really want a, a guy with ten years of experience in technology deciding whether your business, you know, wh what your PR response to a to a cyber breach is going to be if you just lost a, a million records of, of of credit card data? Right. Um, do you want him being the one standing at the podium at the uh, at the at the press conference? I don't think so. I think you'd rather have somebody with a lot more seasoning and experience standing up there explaining you know, what's happening and how you're addressing it and how you're not going to let it happen again. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, bring um, a greater level of confidence in your customers and in your investors in that case, in, in, in the case of a, of a public company that you're in fact going to be able to uh, protect their data after this, with this breach. And of course, in the future. So if you'll allow me, I'd like to pivot a little bit and talk about, um, you know, the emergence of new technology. You know, we, we talk about AI, we talk about, um, you know, greater computing power, we talk about IoT. Um, and those are terms that, you know, guys like you and I can throw around and, and, and understand and understand how they fit in the business. But are your CIOs, CTOs really working with the business to kind of educate them on new types of technology? Is there a, you know, a, a you know, that kind of leadership component, right? There's, you know, leadership could be doing the job, making sure that you get things done, but that 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 future work, that visionary work, is that part of uh, what your CIOs are doing as well? Exactly. One of the questions I ask CEOs when I'm first when I first meet them is, "Who's responsible for technology leadership and vision in your business?" And the question really leads to leads to you know, who's responsible for understanding your business, not only where you want to go. But where you are, what your uh, what your issues might be at the moment, as well as your taste, if you will, for for um, for innovation. You know, you don't most 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 of our clients don't want to be on the bleeding edge of technology, uh, but we where is exactly the edge that we want to be, and where how do we establish how innovative and how forward leading and forward thinking do we want to be or do we need to be in order to be competitive in our marketplace? And a CIO, a fractional CIO or a, 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 a full-time CIO in a company has got to be aware of those decisions, that, that, that taste, if you will, for the degree of innovation and ensure that the right level of innovation is being used and brought to bear up to the point of, of, of um, you know, up to that point so that you are maximally competitive with your taste for, uh, for that innovation. And so how, how competitive do you want to be? And how important is innovation to that comp uh, that uh, competitiveness? And you know, what are the right tools? What are the right systems and processes? It's not just systems. It's not just buying a piece of software and 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 buying that shiny object and sticking it in your business and having it automatically work. Right. Uh, and it, it doesn't happen that way. And it's funny, I, you know, one of the other things I harp on with my you know, with my clients with my CEOs is that you know we we spend you know, if you, if you were to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to put in a piece of manufacturing equipment, you would train on it. You would make sure that everybody that, that you know, touched it, understood exactly what its role was in the business. But yet we take technology, an ERP system, to use the example you gave earlier, and all of a sudden we just, we don't train people. We just throw it in. We just expect it to work. 
Um, so I don't know where that disconnect is between, you know, the process, the business processes that we follow for operations or finance. Um, we don't put the same rigor to IT and, and, and security. And it, and it frustrates me, right? I, I, look at it, I look at an accounting department that, you know, calculates the, the, the revenue and the, and the profit down to pennies. And then I look at, we give our brand new intern a $4,000 laptop and access to all of our data without even thinking about it. Exactly. Well, I mean, staying with, going to the projects component, you know, implementation of an accounting system, an ERP system, a CRM system, or any of these other things, many companies make the, the fatal error, really, of believing those are IT projects. IT, the IT guys are not going to use the CRM system. Okay. They don't really care. You know, they don't, they're not trying to keep, keep, keep track of customers. The, the, the IT guys are probably not going to run the accounting system. They're not certainly not doing bookkeeping and they're not running, you know, they're, they're not necessarily interested in, in analyzing the reports. Likewise, ERP systems. So if one of the advantages of having a senior executive responsible for technology is that understands technology is that when these projects get kicked off, they bring the they bring the technological horsepower, but they also have the horsepower to bring the other stakeholders to the table and ensure that the other stakeholders understand and participate in the project. Because without that participation, you create a, a technology project which has no sensitivity or very little sensitivity to the business, whether it's operational aspects of the business, audit um, uh, audit capability or audit functions of the business, security components or needs of the business, or strategy and direction of the business. And so one of the, one of the one of the places my people take a lot of you know, really put a lot of effort when it comes to these projects is that these projects tend to experience entropy. Even if all the stakeholders are on board when we when we decide we're going to implement this system, um, you know, over time, as that thing implements over the months and 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 possibly year that it that it's being implemented, the CFO stops showing up at the at the meetings, right. and the operating executives, the company executives, stop showing up at the meetings, and they they might even send lower level people or they don't show up at all. And one of the roles my people my my fractional CIOs do, my principals do, is they have the horsepower to pick up the phone and call the CFO and say, hey, Joe, you know, we need you at these stakeholders meetings. You've got to show up or we're not, we're, we're at risk of having this thing fail. Okay. Whereas if you consider a, your, your basic desktop guy picking up the phone and calling that CFO, what, what, what kind of horsepower do you get to bring, have that person come to the table? Exactly. One more area that I wanted to pivot into and, and talk about uh, uh, briefly is the, you know, post-pandemic, we really haven't rushed back to the office. Um, so it presents a whole set of new technology challenges um, to how you support a, a hybrid workforce or a remote workforce. It pre presents some security challenges, uh, obviously, but also it, it, it's kind of opened up businesses, right? Those folks that wanted, you know, everybody in their office working for them full time, you know, with with white shirts and ties on, you know, where you could see them. Now they're distributed across the globe. So, you know, how's that affected uh, the, the role of the fractional uh, CIO? Um, and how's that affected, you know, uh, your business at Freeman Clark? 
Well, it's interesting you ask. I mean, prior to COVID, uh, one of the biggest objections I got from CEOs when they said, you know, when I was trying to suggest a, a fractional IT executive or CIO is, we like to have all of ex our executives in the office every day. And, um, yeah, that's, that's great. Of course, that makes it expensive, but I understand. Um, I guess you may have to wait a while. And now following COVID, I don't get that objection ever again. I haven't heard that objection in three years now. Um, because it, we're used to not having people in the office. We're used to not having the executives there every day. Uh, we're learning to work from home. You know, we, we obviously, as you know, Michael experienced, you know, security challenges as people started working from home and, you know, uh, MSPs and, and technology people randomly punched holes in firewalls to allow that to work. Um, only to have um, the entire hacking community pivot toward, you know, exploiting those holes and getting into all these companies. And in fact, in many cases, putting, you know, Trojan horses in place through those holes that they could then exploit later in time. So, um, you know, as a CIO, what we're what we need to be doing is being aware of what the implications of working, um, you know, of, of this hybrid workforce are. And being prepared for it from, you know, whether it's talking about laptop distribution, security, uh, software, um, you know, software implementations, training. Uh, and, and really one of the things that I find most difficult, I guess, about the hybrid model at this point is, is that we don't really have the water cooler conversations anymore. You know, we can't just sort of, you know, we're not just hanging out in the lunchroom or hanging out in the, the break room. And, and being able to have those conversations. We have these, these, in, these, these intentional meetings set up on Zoom and Teams and what have you, but they're not as, you know, you're not getting as much information and you're not understand, learning to understand people right. like you used to. It's, it's funny, we've, we've adopted, um, you know, the agile development, the, uh, the stand-up meeting. Um, and we do a stand-up meeting every morning for, for, for Harbor and in that, we cover um, what you did yesterday, what you're working on today, blockers, blah, 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 typical what you would think in there. But we also add a personal component to it because it's probably the one time during the day when we all get a chance to get together and talk about our kids or, or, or talk about a wedding or a trip that's coming up. So, you know, we use that. It's, it's interesting. And our team, our, uh, we have a, uh, for my team here in the States, we have a, a Friday morning meeting every a zoom or a team meeting every friday morning and there are times where i intentionally show up late uh where so the team members can you know sort of talk to each other bond with each other they you know i, I when i show up they're talking about the uh you know their their latest trip to the doctor or their uh, their car or the, the the issues with uh, uh what do you call it um uh, street parking or whatever's going on and it, it really tends to create a bonding experience with people. Right. So I, th I think good leadership, good management, you can kind of work through some of those challenges, but you're right, the water coolers. But you have to there. try. You have to work yeah. at it. Yeah, you have to work at it. Certainly you do. Hey, thank you for being with us today, uh, uh, Kingsley. Um, you know, as, as you know, we're Harbor Technology, kind of uh, the name came from um, uh, Gig Harbor and, and you know, a harbor up in uh, – a harbor up in Maine, um, we asked all of our guests to kind of, you know, give us that story about a harbor, you know, your favorite, uh, you know, beach destination. And, and if there's a, uh, if there's a restaurant or bar there that you want to, you know, throw out their name, we're always, uh, we're always looking for good places to stop. 
Well, uh, Michael, I don't know if you know it, but one of the things I do as a uh, as one of my many avocations is I deliver sailboats, and I do a lot of sailing. Um, and uh, there, I had uh, done a, a bareboat charter out of Piraeus, Greece, basically Athens Harbor, um, oh, several years ago. And the objective was to do some sailing through the Aegean for a week. And um, if you're familiar with that area of the world, there are the, uh, in, in, in the fall, there are these big winds that come off the Caucasus called the um, Meltemi. And it makes it really hard to cross the Aegean. Uh, you get some really, really serious winds coming. So we sail, instead of sailing across the Aegean to the Cyclades, which, we, which was the original plan, we went south and, and found this little island um, uh, uh, the name of it escapes me, um, that is a small deserted island. On the south side of this island uh, is this perfect round little harbor, uh, a highly protected little harbor. There's nobody on the island except some, some goats and sheep. Um, the uh, island's a hilly thing, so it protects us from that, that north wind. And so we pulled into that little harbor and and uh, you know sat there for three days just enjoying you know quiet wonderful time I think but one one day some some fishermen showed up from one of the either islands and did a little fishing in the, in the harbor there and then they went away but otherwise we were left completely alone so I'm afraid there was no bar <laughs> uh, except the one on the boat I'm sure there was, and, I was um, going to say I'm sure there was one on the boat <laughs> and um, it was just, it was idyllic. It was a great way to get away and just relax and, and, and spend some time just enjoying the ocean and the, uh, and the boat. Wow. Again, I, I would say that that is the perfect Harbor story, right? That is the, you know, pulling into a, a, a secluded spot somewhat by yourself in a, in a small corner of the world and just enjoying, enjoying what's there. Um, so again, Kingsley, thank you very much for being with us. Um, you know, uh, if, if we'll invite you back in the future, if you've got anything that you want to talk about, just reach out and let us know. I don't know if you've had any thoughts in closing. No, Michael, I, I just appreciate the opportunity to talk about, uh, about what we're doing. And, um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I, I always enjoy our conversations. And, um, as I say, you know, we, we have, um, you know, this concept of, Fractional executives, and particularly in my case, fractional technology executives, CIOs and CTOs, is is really coming of of um, you know coming to life these days as people are beginning to realize that you need this level of experience. You just don't necessarily need it, you know, on a full time basis at a, at a full salary. So right. I'm I'd be happy if you, as I as I told you before, I get all my work from referrals. So if you know of anybody that needs needs yep. IT leadership and, and vision, please reach out. Perfect. And if anybody comes from through the podcast for us, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll definitely pass them along. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. We would also like to thank Tom Marshall for the original music. Yes, that Tom Marshall from Fish fame. Harbor's portfolio of services is designed to meet the cybersecurity needs of small and medium enterprises. 
We offer a range of services from cyber risk advisory to VCs so consulting to meet specific security requirements without putting a strain on your technology budget. If you like what you heard here, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. We release new podcasts every other week and are available on Spotify and Apple. You can reach us through our website if you have additional questions or suggest a great harbor we should mention on our next show.